Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. From inside the media workroom at the Ed Smith Stadium Complex, Paul Mancano, Bobby Blanco here with the Mass and All Access podcast. We are halfway through, roughly a little bit more than halfway through, a week's worth of live Mass and All Access shows, Monday through Thursday. Today is Wednesday. We just finished up our 3 o'clock Wednesday show. What a week it has been. Bobby in Sarasota, Florida. Three out of four done here in sunny Sarasota. We got some weird weather. It was been cold the past two days, Free which shouldn't thing. complain, as we've mentioned on Mass and All Access a couple times this week, because obviously it's freezing up in Baltimore. It's been in the 20s, feels yeah. like the teens, but for Sarasota, Florida, it was cold this morning. It was in the mid to low 40s, not what you're expecting when you come to sunny Florida for spring training. Uh, guys out there working out in their long yeah. sleeve hoodies and, and their tights and sweatpants, um, but we pushed push through. Great set of shows this week. A lot of great guests. Mike Elias. Um, we're going to have Brandon Hyde for our final show tomorrow. Jimmy Yacobonis joined the show today. Shout out to Sarah Perlman and Rob Long doing a great job. And Paul, obviously, you and Olivia doing a great job behind the scenes and as you well. Too, Bobby. Thank you. you thank too. you. It's been a great week. Can't believe it's coming to a close. We started yeah. at West Palm, now in Sarasota. Our uh, 13 days are almost up, down to two. Yeah, uh, but there is plenty more left in spring training before they come back to Baltimore and before they go up to New York for the first series of the season at Yankee Stadium. Coming up on today's Mass and All Access podcast, you're going to hear from Mike Elias, who joined Mass and All Access earlier in the week. Brandon Hyde talks about his coaching staff. Then we're going to break down the competition between the two Rule 5 picks, Drew Jackson and Richie Martin, a fascinating battle that that is going to be as we look forward to the season, to the roster shaping out to be how we expect it to be in the future. So, Bobby, we've got plenty to talk about. But let's talk first about the changes that have come in a Brandon Hyde camp. We've harped on it time and time again on Mass and All Access about all of the changes that Brandon Hyde has made. Almost entirely new coaching staff. He's brought a new, fun, relaxed energy. He's playing music at practices He's got guys relaxed, but yet they're focused and driven on what they need to do. I just, per, from a personal standpoint, you can't help but like what you've seen from Brandon Hyde so far. He seems exactly like how he was described, a nice, genuine, forthcoming guy who is going to be honest with the media, honest with his players, uh, but is going to compel his players to compete and to succeed. Yeah, it's. I've been asked all week, like, how's the Orioles – camp looking this year because it's a different regime obviously a yeah. lot of different young players and the first thing I said you know it's so different it's just com- night and day versus last year not saying that the Buck Showalter regime was bad not saying that this one is good or bad not saying, there's it's just different they're yeah. just different approaches and it's kind of refreshing and that's like we've been saying all along on this podcast you kind of need that new refreshing take to a camp when you have a whole new front office, a whole new coaching staff, a lot of young players fighting for spots. It's been exciting. It's been fun to to watch. And, and you can see it in the players' faces. You know, when you go through a rebuild, it can sometimes be a drag. You know, there's not a lot of expectations. A lot of players are maybe not quite tuning out, but, like, it's hard to focus when you just know yeah. kind of the inevitable that it's gonna, the season's going to be a struggle, especially in baseball, 162 games. But – 
everyone's excited. And I think we're going to touch on the competitions in a little bit. I think the main reason why that is is because there is so much competition in this camp. There's not a lot of set roster spots. And Brandon Hyde is the front man with that energy. And, and to Michael Elias, too, to an extent. But Brandon Hyde, we spoke to him the, like, the second or third day we were here on Sunday before their game, Sunday afternoon at Ed Smith Stadium, and just smile on his face, lighting up, saying he loves to get to the ballpark every day. I think he's the guy setting the tone, and, and the players are really feeding off it. They are indeed, and so are his uh, assistant coaches, including Doug Brocale, the new pitching coach, including Tim Cousins. All these guys are contributing. They seem to all be on the same page, which is good, which is what you expect and what you hope for when a coach hires, makes all the hires. You know, he, he gets to oversee the entire coaching staff in the offseason. So Brandon Hyde earlier this week, Sunday, talking about his coaching staff Remember, he had to make a lot of these hires over the phone, didn't have the benefit of getting to meet a lot of these guys face-to-face. He kind of was pressed for time a little bit because of the time in which he was hired. It wasn't until after winter meetings. He put this staff together, but he's been incredibly impressed with the guys that he has uh, under him on that coaching staff. Well, I've just been so pleased. Um, you know, I knew a couple guys really well from the, on the coaching staff, and I, you know, I knew others through phone conversation and reputation, and um, I just been so happy with our coaching staff. I think our guys are really in it for the players. Um, they're grinder type guys that just want to get the players better and egoless, and um, that's kind of what I heard about them, and that's who they have been. And um, I think our, this camp is going extremely well, and they've set a great tone for their through their energy and their work ethic, um, and I, I foresee that you know, continuing as we go along. As far as yourself, have you learned anything about yourself? Oh, um, you know, it's pretty much what I thought. I, I, I'm starting to get a little bit more involved. I kind of wanted to step back early um, and let guys uh, just kind of evaluate. And now I'm getting a little bit more involved. I hear my voice a little bit more. Um, but I'm really enjoying it. I, I'm absolutely loving it. Um, I can't wait to get to the ballpark every day. I love watching our guys play. I, I just told them in our little team meeting um, how happy I am with their effort. They're doing everything we've asked them to do. Um, so I, this, the response has been great, and um, you know, it's going to continue. So there you have it, Brandon High talking about his new coaching staff. And uh, like I said, Bobby, I've, I've been impressed. And, and keep in mind, this is still the earliest of early, and you would expect to only hear – if we were to hear bad things about the coach, then that would be disastrous oh, at this God. point because of – it's spring training, you know, none of the game results don't matter, all that right. stuff. So, it, you know, you wouldn't expect to hear bad things, but we have heard nothing but good things uh, from the players, from the media, uh, from just about everybody who interacts with Brandon Hyde and his coaching staff on a daily basis. And think back to O's Fan Fest a little over, actually a month, on like a month and a half ago yeah. almost, and we talked about the right before – or yeah, they introduced and announced their coaching staff that week, like that Wednesday. Yeah. Fan Fest was on a Saturday, and we talked about how it's going to be important for like these coaches and and Brandon Hyde to get on the same page from the get go. And the coaches said at Fan Fest, "Hey, we're already hitting the ground running. You know, talking about what everyone likes to do, their type of style of coaching, and how they approach the game. And we're seeing it in action yeah. now. It's kind of cool. Like you flash forward a month." Not even a month, a couple of weeks, because they reported mid-February. Now we're sitting here March 6th, and they're already putting it into action, putting the place, and the players are feeding off it. And that's what you wanted to see, because no matter if this is a coaching staff that's been here for 
20 years or a brand new coaching staff, you got to have a plan in place and be able to execute. That's how the successful organizations do it. And I think that the Orioles are off to a good start. Again, the year's going to be a struggle, but they're off on the right foot. And you talk about how the spring training games don't matter. They matter to a lot of these young players. Yeah. And, and, and the coaches realize that. Brandon Hyatt understands that. And so they're trying to take advantage of every single minute, second, yeah. hour, you know, not time is going goes to waste. Yes, they're having fun, but they're also getting their work done. And I think Brandon Hyde is doing a great job of, of setting that tone once again. And a lot of the stuff also, keep in mind, that you talk about the camp being so different from previous years, especially last year I look at because this is – and this is not – you know, this is stuff that is out of Brandon Hyde's control. But the roster is so entirely different and the expectations are so different. Keep in mind, at this point last year – the Orioles were fighting desperately to be in the conversation in the American League East. They had the pieces they thought uh, to get to be at least an above 500 team. You had the Manny Machado trade rumors that dominated the offseason. That was hanging over camp. You had guys that needed a bounce back year. You had Chris Davis, you know, struggling and him needing to do well. All these guys needing to do well. Alex Cobb and Andrew Kashner thrown in at the last second. And they're relied on immediately from day one to be solid four and five starters. Yep. You know, there, there was no room for error. And we saw last year, you know, both those teams in the division, Red Sox and Yankees, won 100 games. There was so much pressure coming into last camp. Um, and it, it, this is just a, such a relaxed environment uh, that is, you know, more a, a, a statement about the state of the Orioles right now than it is about Brandon Hyde. But that's that's just the situation that they're in. Right, right. And I hate to do this because I know not a lot of um, Orioles fans like to hear this comparison. But for our listeners who do listen to both sides of this podcast, the Orioles and the Nats, I can kind of compare it to what we talked about last week with the Nationals. And right. they don't have Bryce Harper anymore. Like last year, there was so much pressure on them to win that year. It was Bryce Harper's walk yeah. year. They got to go out and win. And they did not succeed. Go to Orioles camp. Come to Sarasota. Like you just said, they got two free agent pitchers. They got all this talent that – they have top to bottom with Adam Jones, Manny Machado, Jonathan Scope. Yeah. That you know they should be a playoff contender, even though in a daunting AL East, and it just goes off the rails so quickly. You come into this camp over in West Palm Beach, the Nationals, they look really relaxed. They don't have the pressure of Bryce Harper looming over them because he's a free agent and goes to the Phillies. Sarasota, the Orioles, you know, again, there's no expectations for this team this year. They're kind of playing with house money where, you know, if they win 60-plus games, that's a great year for the Orioles, and you're just looking for the future. You're looking at players who can yeah. come in immediately and try to make an impact for the now and for the future, and I think that takes a lot of pressure off Brandon Hyde, Michael Elias, and their coaching staff coming into their first season with the team. Exactly. Remember last year's team, not to rehash dark, deep memories, but last year's team started the season at the end of April. They were 8-20, and 20, and it just felt like the world was coming to an end. If this team finishes April 8-20, and 20, I'm not saying it would be a good thing. You always want the team to win, but it just doesn't feel like the world would be crashing down on you if they were to, to struggle that much out of the gate. Well, Brandon Hyde's not the only one having a chance to oversee this this roster and oversee this uh, rebuild, though don't tell them it's a rebuild. Yeah. Mike Elias also who obviously has a huge, huge part in this. You know, this is a team that um, is going to be what it's going to be regardless of which tiny pieces they move around here and there. Right. But Mike Elias does have some work to do in terms of figuring out which one of these guys uh, you know, which of these guys are keepers, which are not. Um, and he's had an interesting time, I would say, uh, in spring training, his first as a general manager overseeing this brand new roster of guys that he's only heard about. He hasn't gotten to see these guys up close. Now he has a chance to see them 
um, and he's he's overseeing this roster uh, throughout spring training. Well, I think so. I mean, both things are still important. The technology aspect is growing very rapidly, um, and it's changing the game. But certainly having uh, that grounding in the traditional part of the game is helpful because, first of all, the technology isn't always available to you, and you've got to make decisions real time. Um, and second of all, that, that's a perspective. You know, this is still human beings that we're dealing with. These players, um, you know, have uh, heartbeats, and uh, we want to understand what's going on um, above the neck with them and in their hearts and in their personal lives and things like that. So having that, that grounding in the traditional part of the sport is important. Mike, can you give us and the fans watching a better understanding of some of the technology you're using? I know you can't, you know, tip your hat too much, but, but just some of the information, some of the camera work, whatever it may be, that's really the forefront of analytics today. Um, some of the big ones are, you'll see, uh, if you go to a, a major league park, really a lot of college parks nowadays, or some of our backfields here in spring training, there's a big black box behind home plate, uh, usually where the press box is. Uh, that's a TrackMan radar device. It measures all kinds of stuff about the ball in flight, the ball off the bat. Uh, we get a lot of information out of there. Um, there's also this proliferation of these super slow motion, high speed cameras that it's just a really cool uh, teaching tool just because the, the quality of the video you're looking at is incredible. And um, there's a lot of other stuff going on, bat sensors, uh, it's too much to name, but this is really all kicked into high gear, I'd say, in the last five years. So Mike Elias is a mix of old school scouting. He's got the scouting background, and he also has the new technology, new analytics approach as well. And we're starting to see the seeds of those being planted in spring training, him incorporating both sides of that. Yeah, and we talked about how Mike Elias is kind of that, per you know, way back when, man, it seems like so long ago that... We were talking about these hires, but we, we talked about how this needs to be a guy that's kind of perfect borderline between analytics but also baseball. You can't completely remove the baseball aspect of the research department or, yeah. or how you approach the game. You know, these guys, and Michael Lass even mentioned that in, in that little clip. You know, these are still human beings, they have a heartbeat. You know, we got to be able to approach them like a human being. They're not just robots out there. Yeah. Like you use all with, with all the technology, it's great to use that stuff, but you still have to be able to implement it properly in the game and you know with all this use of technology the the, the radars on the backstop or the by the press box um, all this analytical and sabermetric statistics coming mm -hmm. into this to this uh, department it's it's creating a new culture and that's what obviously we've talked about that in nauseam too this is a whole new culture the players are really receptive to it we've heard a lot of the young guys you know guys who have come over and all those trades made last midseason you know, saying, hey, yeah, this is nothing that's new to us, but it's it's great. I'm, I'm, we're happy to use it because we've seen it before. It's very helpful. We're used to it, and it only makes us better. It, it gives us a different insight into the game and how we can improve our games. So it's just saying that whole new culture that the Orioles didn't really embrace for a long time and seems like a lot of teams, winning teams, successful yeah. teams have, and that's the right path we've seen in baseball to – becoming a winning franchise. It is cool to see it in action because we've started to see the cameras that they put just out in the bullpens, out in the practice fields, um, putting those right behind the pitchers, getting live instant information, um, relaying them to the pitchers, having them make slight adjustments. So this is the stuff that, you know, is, is not going to happen overnight. These are not, oh, just quick fixes immediately. This is stuff that, you know, they have to learn. A lot of pitchers might have to learn how to change their style, have, how to add a new pitch to the repertoire, all this kind of stuff. But I'm interested in seeing the results of this new technology in, in two ways. One, I think you get to see the guys who are actually on the roster, guys that I think, look, let's be honest, a lot of the guys who were on this team last year, they need rebound years. You look at Dylan Bundy, you look at 
pretty much everybody, anybody in their bullpen, Michael Givens, and then on the field as well, you know, Mark Trumbo needs a bounce-back year. Just about everybody. Obviously, Chris Davis needs a bounce-back year. So seeing them incorporate these little things and uh, fine-tune the details to say maybe Dylan Bundy, all those home runs he threw, maybe he realizes it was a certain type of pitch that he was throwing and he's able to fine-tune that and fix that. All those little things will help. And then the second way I think we'll see the biggest results of this is them getting to work with the guys who have not yet seen the major leagues or have seen limited action. So guys like, you know, Austin Hayes and Yosniel Diaz, all these guys that, um, you know, have a chance now at young ages, Ryan Mountcastle, 2021, 20, 22, to shape their games and change them now because they, they don't want to get to 30 and have to change their entire game. They want to figure out what's going to be successful in the long term right now. So I think getting to see them change uh, exactly to what the, this coaching staff implementing what they need to do now so that they can have an immediate impact and then once they hit the big leagues they can hit the ground running right that's an interesting point you bring up going back to what i was saying about how like the new young guys like like seeing this information and like using it that almost puts them a little bit ahead of the curve yeah over guys who have been here like the dylan bundys like uh alex cobb said he saw a little bit of it in tampa but uh, Mark Trumbo, Chris mm-hmm. Davis, guys like that who've been here who didn't you didn't have the benefit of the information because the Orioles didn't really embrace it for the past couple of years. Yeah. And now you bring guys who have been in other organizations who have used it and and they're used to it and they know how to they know how to interpret it and how to use it on the field and that almost kind of puts these young guys maybe a little one half step ahead of these veterans that have been yeah. here for a while. That's an interesting way to think about it. And I wonder if there is a translation kind of period or like where, you know, we, we've talked about, and Sarah Perlman has talked to some of the older guys, um, Trumbo Cobb and, um, and, and even um, uh, Eric Young Jr. today on Mass yeah. and Alexis about how do they approach being the veteran players, kind of mentoring these younger guys in camp. And I wonder if there's an angle where how do these younger guys who have use this statistical information before kind of maybe help translate it to the older players like hey this is what this means that you know you should look at it this way blah 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 etc 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 um that's an interesting look at it because you know it's again it's a team it's an organization everybody helps each other you usually feel like veterans always help younger players but this might be one of those rare cases where the younger guys can help the older guys yeah exactly so some of the younger guys that we can focus in on right now. How about the two Rule 5 picks that the Orioles made in uh, the first round of that that Rule 5 draft that we saw at the end of the winter meetings? Of course, Richie Martin being the number one overall pick in the Rule 5 draft, but then later on they went out and took a guy who's an infielder, an outfielder, can do just about everything, Drew Jackson, kind of a similar player. And it's interesting as we watch this dynamic because, as we know, the infields, there are several spots that are wide open. I think shortstop is about as wide open as it gets. Third base, even though Renato Nunez is returning and he had a solid year, solid second half last year, that's pretty open as well. All these spots are are wide open on the infield. Those two guys, it's like the Orioles, you know, Rule 5 draft pick or Rule 5 pick is like a lottery ticket. The Orioles pick two of them. They said, hey, we'll pick two of these guys. One doesn't work out. We're hoping that the other one does. Richie Martin and Drew Jackson have drawn great praise. We've seen it in action. We've seen Richie Martin do some damage uh, in particular. Uh, And the organization, and Brandon Hyde seems to like both these guys. And they're rooming together, Bobby. Yeah, that's kind of the funny angle that Sarah Perlman got when she talked to them in the clubhouse, is that they're roommates. They're Rule 5 draft guys. 
and they've played against each other. They've known each other for a couple of years, and they're fighting for the same spot, and they're living together. Yeah. And, um, you know, they mentioned that they don't really talk about baseball when they yeah, go home yeah. because it's like, you know, it's all day about it. You know, you kind of just want to live your life and, 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 and get away from the game a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, the, across the diamond, Paul, we could spend an hour on this podcast talking about all the position battles. That's the yeah. kind of the cool thing about – that is the cool thing to yeah. me about Orioles camp is that there are so many position battles, unlike last year, yeah. where you kind of knew where everyone was going to slot in. Yeah. I mean, there is – obviously, we, we think – you and I agree that the shortstop between Martin and Jackson is the most interesting battle. But, like you said, third base, there's a log jam at catcher. There are yeah. so many catchers in this camp. There's – Trey Mancini mentioned how many outfielders are Austin Hayes is having a hell of a spring training. So there's just competition across the board. For those of you who checked out our Mass on Access show on Tuesday when we had Jim Hunter, he made a great point of, like, you know, if you count up the roster, there's about nine spots that are locks. That leaves 16 spots open for grabs. (laughs) And we're, we're, what, 22 days away from opening day. Yeah. So And we're getting close to cuts, you know, the first round of cuts. So – you know, these competitions are going to start heating up. There's only going to be so much time that these guys can grab their spot on the roster, on the opening day roster for the big leagues. And like, like you said, Richie Martin and Drew Jackson at shortstop have been interesting. They're both having great springs. Richie Martin is hitting 412. He's already collected <laughs> seven hits. Not That does not include his two hits he had today. Yeah. Uh, over in Port Charlotte against the Rays, he had a triple and an infield single and scored a run. Um, Drew Jackson, I believe, is also – he's hitting 316. He's collected six hits in, in 11 games. So, again, they're producing – like you said, Michael Elias likes their defense too. They're producing at the plate and in the field. It's going to be real interesting down the stretch to see how these two roommates fight for one spot. Exactly, and neither of them has played above A in their career. They're 24 and 25 years old, but they do carry that uh, – I would say the, the maturity of 24 and 25-year-olds, but even, even older guys, guys that have been playing, it seems like, for a long time. They know how to speak about teammates. They know how to speak about competition, um, and they're, they're very giving with their time. So I've been inv- impressed with both of these guys. Here first, let's listen to both of them, but let's start with Drew Jackson – Very chill guy. I like him a lot. Talking about the competition that he's facing, particularly against his other Rule 5 pick. Uh, It's not weird. Um, We get along really well. We've played against each other for years now. Um, You know, everyone's competing against each other, but, I mean, for both of us, we both want to make the team. And, uh, you know, there is a chance we both make the team. And uh, uh, it would be awesome to be teammates together because he's a great guy. I love living with him, and, uh, yeah, I look forward to playing with him down the road. So that was Drew Jackson talking about his competition against his roommate, Richie Martin. Let's listen to Richie. Yeah, it's a, it's a competition, but at the same time, we're all here having fun. Um, you know, it's, it's nothing. Uh, you know, when people say competition, it's not nasty, and everyone's like, oh, I got to beat this guy, because we're, like, we're all really cool and tight. Like, I room, with, uh, I room with Drew, so, like, we're real cool, and, you know, we're all just out here playing baseball, and we're, we're having a good time. Happy you brought that up. You're ruling with rooming with not only another Rule Five guy, but also a guy in the infield mix. And I know you said it's not a competition, but you are fighting uh, for a spot on this team. What is that like seeing him day in and day out? Not just when you're on the field, but then you go home and, and got to see him and talk about the day. Uh, I mean, off the field, we don't really talk about baseball. Uh, but you know, he's a good dude, and I've known him for for a while. I played against him in the in the Cape, so. You know, at the end of the day, we, we just go out and, and play, and I, I guess the best man, best man wins. I don't know. We could both make the team. We, we both may not. You know, it's, 
it's not it's not up to us. We can just control what's uh, in our in our hands. You guys don't talk about it at all when you get home. Nothing about the day, about baseball, about the competition. Uh, to be honest, we both get home. I sit on the couch, turn my uh, TV on. He starts playing video games and. It's uh, yeah, not really baseball related. Bobby, you would assume that Richie Martin would have the leg up over Drew Jackson just by nature, the fact that he was taken first in that Rule 5 pick or in that Rule 5 draft. And remember, Drew Jackson was traded, was taken initially by the Phillies and then traded over uh, to the Orioles. But Drew Jackson, he's a year older, but his stats in the minor leagues at A last year were very similar to Richie Martin's. He had nine more homers than Richie Martin in 15 fewer games, so he maybe got a little bit more pop. That led to a higher slugging percentage. He had 22 stolen bases, which was just three fewer than, than uh, Richie Martin. So he's also got speed on the base paths that uh, Martin also boasts. So I think Drew Jackson might be underrated in that standpoint in terms of that battle. I think there's pretty much a 50-50 shot. If one of them is going to get that starting spot, I would say it's 50-50 between Martin and Jackson. It does seem like a toss-up right now, and I, I, I don't, I don't want to double down on what I said earlier. It is relatively early still. Yeah. I mean, they started games a week ago. Yeah. So we're, only, we're only a week and a half into games, so the, uh, we got to see what they can do in game situations more. And I think Brandon Hyde and Michael Lash are keeping a close eye on them. Um, again, Richie Martin played today. In Port Charlotte, he got the start at, at shortstop. So, um, yeah, it's it's a 50-50 toss-up right now. There's still a lot left to spring training to go on. I, I just, I don't know, from the few plays that we've seen while we've been here, and granted we've been in the backfields and only saw a couple innings of the of, of some games, I, I like how Richie Martin approaches the game and plays the game. He seems like he's just a slightly more comfortable out there. Um, not that Drew Jackson isn't. It just seems like Richie Martin. It's it's coming. To, it's coming to him at a more natural pace. Right. So I'll maybe go fifty-one forty-nine in favor of Richie Martin. But again, still young. And you know, again, it's limited action. Drew Jackson has actually has played more games so far. Yeah. In the spring training than than Martin. So it's so close. It could go fifty-one forty-nine the other way too. And um, this is, I think, t- we both agree. This is the the position battle to watch for the remainder of spring training. Yeah, and it'll um, hopefully one of these guys will stick long-term as well. And like we're seeing with everybody else on the roster, which one of these guys will stick around long-term? I mean, another Rule 5 draft pick who's having a great – Joey Rickard. Joey yeah. Rickard was a Rule 5 draft exactly. pick, and he's having a fantastic spring. And, it, and he probably will be the starter out in the outfield. Yeah. Unfortunate. Uh, not unfortunately for people who want to hear, want to see like Austin Hayes yeah. and Neil Diaz immediately, but I think – uh, the 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 previous Rule Five draft pick, I agree with you. I think Rickard might start opening day in the outfield. Yeah, I agree, and he's having a fantastic spring. It's almost kind of now again spring training numbers. Yeah, we could talk about that. That's a different conversation. But he is playing well. He does look good in the outfield, um, and he's just to me he's one. There has to be a top three, right? Yeah, he's in the top three for me. As of right now, and I don't see it would take a real fall from grace for him to kind of fall out of that right. starting spot. Yeah, and even Brandon Hyde and Michael Elias have have always added uh, the caveat that um, it is spring, you know. And and when some people say, "Oh, you know, Austin Hayes is having great spring training," he says, "Well, you know, it's spring training, so he looks good. That's what matters. Is you know how how is his swing? How how are his you know." They look at the little things. Is he healthy? Is he healthy for Hayes, especially? And um, you know, Hayes obviously has looked very good, and and it has led to results as well for Austin Hayes. So the sky is the limit for him. I'm really excited for for Austin Hayes. Uh, Again, outfield, 
besides shortstop, there's outfield, there's third base, there's catcher. Yeah, um, all we of don't have. Are- a, I mean, we don't have a lockdown rotation yet for the Orioles. John Means hasn't been fully stretched out yet, so there's a lot of competition. Nine spots, count them. Nine are are locks, and sixteen are are <laughs> left for for opening day. And which is only a couple weeks away, which is crazy. Yeah. Think about it. We're three weeks away tomorrow. This is from Wednesday opening day, yeah. from, from opening day. That's right. So that is right. it's quote unquote early, but also time's running out. It's at that weird point in spring training. Like we're half, we're actually halfway through. So even Lesky mentioned today yeah. on, on Mass on All Access, we're halfway through spring training, which is insane. But time's running out, and, and guys are going to have to start. It'll also, be, Here's going to be the telling point. We're getting close to the point where starting pitchers are going are gonna to be stretched out and yeah. they're going to pitch deeper into spring training games. That gives these young guys more looks at major league pitching. Are they going to be able to adjust and keep up with the pace? Because, yeah, it's great that Rich Martin's hitting above 400 in spring training, but how many of those are major league pitchers that he's exactly. facing? Those are, could be double-A, triple-A guys that he, he's been facing for years. So we'll, we're getting close to that point where major league pitching is going to – and pitching is always ahead of – hitting, I feel yeah. like, in spring training. So that'll be a turning point, I think, and when we'll start seeing some cuts and the roster size shrink down. And we won't truly know anything about these guys, really, until the season starts. Right. Until we're several months into the season. Yeah, so. and, and that gives you a reason to watch, honestly. Yeah. I mean, if you if you need a reason to watch the Orioles, okay, yes, they're not going to be the best team in the league. Yeah. Fine. But there's exciting baseball to be watched because – there are so many young guys. Yeah. Look for the future. Look at, all right, this guy is a piece for the future. This guy, yeah, he's having a good season, but maybe not for the long run. This guy, okay, we can maybe flip him. I mean, there's there's so many different angles, even on this roster that's not built to be, a, uh, you know, a competitive ball club this year. Exactly. So I, I would encourage, I don't, and I don't think Orioles fans are tuning out. Orioles fans are some no, most passionate I, in all of baseball. Yeah. It's just, you know, I, 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 a day-to-day I, right. might be more of a grind, I right. think. Yeah. yeah, and especially over, what, the six months of the season. Exactly. So, yeah, no, I, I'm looking – I'm actually – opening day is always fun, but I'm actually looking forward to seeing how these young guys um, adjust to the major league level and and, and who sticks out and, and as, a, as a piece for the future. Exactly. So the other good thing about spring training is there's a lot of fun stuff that happens on the side. A lot of players – bring their entire families down to Florida. They end up you know, going out to dinner. They get to hang out with other guys on their team. There's so many nice aspects of spring training. Uh, after his workout, Andrew Kashner was smoking really? chicken wings right outside the media workroom. With the biggest smoker I think I've ever seen. It was, that thing is massive. It was right, literally right outside where we are right now, where we work. And we have to walk past it to our set, yep. what, 20 times a day? And it's <laughs> just the smells. Oh, my God, killing me. <laughs> We had some great food as well on Friday, which is part was part of a uh, two-day event that is held annually, the fourth annual Athletes and Artists Play for Kids event here in Sarasota, Florida. Another example of how closely tied Sarasota, Florida, and the Orioles have been um, really since the Orioles have come here. So, Bobby, tell us more about the Athletes and Artists Play for Kids because what we on our side it was a blast. Yeah, it was a great, it was a blast. Um, you know, it was a, f- a Friday night event. It was a whole weekend. Um, also called Nashville's Music Row comes with a ballpark charity event. Cole Swindell headlined the concert at Ed Smith Stadium on Saturday night. Um, I think the or- the Orioles and John Angelos are very proud of of what they have been able to do, not just in the Baltimore community, but down here in Sarasota. There's a real connection between the two towns. Yeah. It's almost like a sister city. Um, and then also spreading to Nashville. You know, A lot of the 
uh, fans and, and, and players are big country music guys, and, and having that connection is is a way. And John Angelos mentioned, you know, artists, music artists, and athletes have a platform, and, and I think what a lot of people don't appreciate, and he, he said this, this is what goes on, what they do off the field, you exactly. know, in their communities, and and the Orioles are extremely proud, and they should be extremely proud of what they're doing in their communities, not just in Baltimore, but down here in Sarasota, also helping out children in Nashville. Um, so let's listen to what John Angelos, Orioles executive vice president and Masson president, had to say about athletes and artists play for the kids. Fourth year, over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars raised to you and the organization. What's so special about this weekend, John? You know, it's just a way that we can take our individual platforms, and here you have musicians, artists, people from TV, film, and sports who have a portal into the community and can take that and make some good use of it to make a meaningful impact. So we're here in year four. We're doing more things than we did in any year prior to this, and as you mentioned, the, the contributors and the sponsors, the donors, keep growing every year, which is a really cool thing. To you, what are the similarities between the artists, the athletes, you said it, people in film, what are the similarities between them all in your mind? Well, I, I think one of the similarities is we really need to welcome people. We need to draw people to our events. We need to find a way to draw people and make create attention and buzz around what we're doing. And then from there, the question is, okay, now we've done that, what else can we do? How do we take our act, if you will, and get it to excite people about impacting the world outside our little venue? And that's what I think the people in, that are part of this show, that are going to be up on this stage, have in common. They want to find a way to energize the community outside. So if somebody may be a big baseball fan, but not a big music fan, or, or the opposite, we bring all of our uh, uh, platforms together, and we make an impact on the outside world. The impact has been huge in the community all around Sarasota. For you, how important and special is that for the Orioles to give back to a community like the one here? Well, I hope that's when we're at our best. I mean, when we're... Between the lines, you know, we, we've had some good years, we've had some years that aren't as good, it, you know, but you should be a star every day outside the lines. And I think that's, it's amazing what some of these musicians do outside the stage when they're not on stage, when they're not performing, just to give back to the community. And they're going to be ball players here, both former Orioles, current Orioles, Hall of Fame Orioles. And what people don't know enough is what they do outside the, outside of the, the field of play, how they're impacting the community. So when you bring that synergy together, there's a lot to be proud of, I think. A very fun event that we got to participate in as well, going to both Friday and Saturday events. Bobby, there was one caterer there. They had plenty of awesome food. <laughs> I knew you were going to that. <laughs> I had to. They had bunt cakes, and the business was called Nothing Bunt Cakes. They were a sponsor for the event. At the end of the night on Friday, I had headed for the dessert table. I tried the chocolate bunt cake with the, it had like vanilla frosting on top. I think, yeah, it was like a vanilla cream cheese frosting. Bobby, I had four of them. No, I know. I had I was four there. bunt cakes, no, Bobby. No, I know, I saw. In a span of about six minutes, too. It's not like I spread these out. Yeah. I don't know when I'm getting married. I don't know who I'm getting married to. This could be 30 years in the future. I know this, nothing bunt cakes will cater my wedding. I would like to point out that I, too, had four, but I had four because there were four different flavors. I, yes. I tried each flavor. You had four of the chocolate ones. They were also going so quickly. Well, yeah, they were I the had to ones jump that, on them. You, you mentioned we walk up to the table, there's four sections. Two of them are kind of shorter than the other ones, yeah. so you're like, we need to eat these first before they're all gone. Well, it's like it's like um, when you get Dunkin' Donuts munchkins. 
You oh, everyone. We all know. We all go for the chocolate. Yeah, the I chocolate mean, if, ones and the glazed ones. If if you're saying that you're mixing them up, you're lying. No one, no one go. You, you go for the powdered and the glazes is second and no, third. No, no I was gonna say, is there anything more sad than looking in a box of Munchkins and seeing the last two powdered? Because it's always powdered. <laughs> yep. It's never chocolate. It's never glazed. It's always the powdered ones that are the last. Exactly. Ones. Uh, it, it's it's. Let's be honest. They should just only make the chocolate Munchkins because it's unfair. They or at least put. Like maybe maybe fifty percent chocolate munchkins and then break the rest down and glazed and, yeah. and powdered, um, because we always go for the chocolate ones. For those of you who don't know, <laughs> if that last minute didn't make <laughs> it clear, Paul has the biggest sweet tooth of uh, anyone thoroughly enjoyed. I've ever seen. Definitely anyone at Mass and All yeah. Access. Um, and I like new donuts. podcast segment. Uh, Paul's evaluation of his sweets and his desserts. I think we. I we went to dinner last night. We're all kind of like full, or like, oh, we should probably get going. And the waiter goes, it won't look dessert. And Paul goes, uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> they had Mississippi mud pie on the menu, Bobby. Yeah, what are they supposed to do? Good. Just walk away good. from that. I mean, come yeah. on. Um, but besides the food, obviously, great, great weekend at uh, Edsmith Stadium. Kudos again to John Angelos, um, the Orioles front office. Yeah. Cole Swindell put on a great show. I'm, I'm not a country music guy, but he made me kind of want to get into it. He put on a phenomenal show yeah we, you and i were watching for, um from the mass in sweden it was you know he just it was entertaining i, yeah. I was surprised at how many people because again i mean i'm a music guy but country music not my jam everyone was yeah. feeling it the players were out there loving it yeah uh, there <laughs> are you know our, our co-worker kirsten at Masson was like singing along to every song it was just a great time had by all so again shout out to to angelos and swindell and, and all the athletes and artists that came out to perform over the weekend yeah a it, great cause and a great concert it was a party in the outfield and you got to see a good mix of people who were there who had flown all the way down from baltimore to see oreos games as well as sarasota natives there was a great mix yeah, uh, in the crowd as well. All right, that just about does it from the Mass and All Access podcast. We will be back once we get back to Baltimore uh, at the end of our spring training trip, but not at the end of spring training. We've got plenty more to talk about before the regular season starts. Give us a follow at Bobby underscore Blanco at Paul Mancano on Twitter and subscribe to the Mass and All Access podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Leave a comment, spread the word, share. Show all your Oros or baseball fans where to find the Mass on All Access podcast. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.